Thanks to EQ Bank for sponsoring this episode of Explorer FI Canada. The EQ Bank Savings Plus account reimagines banking by offering a competitive everyday interest rate plus the flexibility of a checking account. Along with free transactions, no everyday banking fees, no minimum balances, fast, cheap, and fully transparent international money transfers, and more, all from a single account. Visit exploreficanada.ca forward slash EQBank to learn more. Welcome everybody to Explorify Canada podcast, the future of personal finance in Canada. Hi everybody, welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. You're listening to a personal finance podcast by Canadians where we feature stories of regular Canadians who are starting, achieving, or living the financial independence journey. My name is Ryan Mirix. I'm from Kitchener, Ontario, and only one of the three co-hosts on this little podcast. Joining me from Vancouver, BC is my co-host and blogger at EatSleepBreatheFI.com, Chrissy Kay. Hey, Chrissy. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? I am fantastic. How about you? I'm great. And we're joined today by a special guest. We do have a special guest. Would you like to introduce him? The one, the only? (laughs) The one, the only Robinson Smith. We're so excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, folks. Awesome. Now, we do have a third co-host, The Money Mechanic, but he's already interviewed Robinson for interview number eight on the FI Garage podcast. So we highly recommend you go over and check that out. We didn't want him sitting down here because it would just be too much of a, you know, duplicate scenario. So we gave him the boot. I hope you guys are okay with that. (laughs) I'm sure he'll forgive us. (laughs) But I will seriously re-recommend everybody that you can go and check out that interview, perhaps even before you listen to this one, because we're not going to get into the super basics of the Smith Maneuver. You can either head to smithman.net for all that information or check out the Money Mechanics interview with Robinson Smith on that one. As Ryan said, we are not diving into the basics. We are instead going to be running through a case study using Ryan as our subject. And we will be using his real numbers and assessing how the Smith Maneuver would have helped him in his situation. And we, at the end, will finish off with some questions that were submitted by you, our listeners. Mm Mm-hmm. This honestly sounds like such a fun format for this type of interview, because when you hear Robinson on all the other podcasts that I've listened to, he really knows his stuff. And then we're going to be able to run through with the calculator with the man himself to figure out what would have happened in my hypothetical scenario from 2016 to 2020. So this year of me paying off my mortgage. Now, all our listeners know, and I've griped about this on probably half the episodes, that I did not use the Smith Maneuver, even though I wanted to, because I couldn't convince my wife, because she hates any type of debt, whether it's good or bad. But we're going to go through the hypothetical. Hopefully, by the end, I'll feel really bad. And then I, <laughs> you know, I'm significantly poorer than what I could have been. <laughs> I'm hoping Robinson will deliver to us. And um, with that, I think we should just let you take it away, Robinson. I know you have a lot of my numbers, so should we uh, should we go over them yeah, uh, with sure. everybody and um, just see where the calculator takes us? Yeah, sure. First, uh, I guess, Ryan, you, you just mentioned your wife and her aversion to debt, uh, any kind of debt. That is probably one of the biggest things uh, we face when we're talking about the Smith Maneuver with Canadian homeowners uh, you know, we've we've been growing up all our lives surrounded by people who are seemingly uh, older and wiser than us, telling us that debt is bad. All debt is bad. 
and it's ingrained in us and we decide that for the rest of our lives we're going to try to avoid debt uh, of any kind and we do so to our detriment because we don't you know unless we're taught in business school we don't we aren't taught the fact that there are two types of debt there's deductible debt and non-deductible debt and non-deductible debt is where we borrow to buy cars and vacations and and toys and this type of debt destroys wealth and it's terribly expensive. And deductible debt is when we borrow with the expectation of generating income. And this type of debt is beneficial to us because it allows us to acquire assets which are going to increase in value, plus we get a tax break. So deductible debt creates wealth. Non-deductible debt destroys wealth. So that's a big differentiator in, in when talking about the Smith Maneuver, which is which is involved, which involves reborrowing the equity created in your home with your monthly mortgage payment in order to invest. So that's, you know, I might go into it a bit more later on in the podcast. The conversation flows that way. But basically what your listeners are, are going to be hearing is, is I've got two options. I can either take every penny I have and apply it against my mortgage and be clear of that uh, as soon as possible, or I can do that as well, take every penny I have and try to pay down my mortgage as quickly as possible, but reborrow the equity I create with every mortgage payment and prepayment and get that invested. Because otherwise, if if I'm just concentrating on paying down my mortgage, I'm taking my dollars and it's going to the bank and the mortgage is reducing. I'm not getting those dollars invested. So I'm foregoing the magic of, of compound growth. And as we all know, that gets terribly expensive. So The Smith Maneuver is a mortgage conversion strategy. We convert our non-deductible mortgage debt to tax-deductible debt. We're getting invested right away. Because it's deductible debt, we're receiving tax refunds, and we're able to apply this money, which otherwise we wouldn't have received, against our mortgage uh, each year, and then get that out and invest it as well. So three things. We're reducing our tax bill. We're eliminating our non-deductible mortgage extremely quickly, and we're getting invested for our future, whereas otherwise we wouldn't be. I like the sounds of door number two. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, just looking at your numbers here, Ryan, I'm sorry to see that since 2016, all the way to 2020, you've made $14,000 a year. That's, uh, that's gotta be tough, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) What what was that? Sorry. (laughs) No, I, I've, what I've done, uh, Ryan is the calculator is not really built to go back in time to see what would have happened. Cause in your case, you know, every, every year you've, you've prepaid your mortgage by varying amounts. Uh, your income has gone up and down a little bit. So I've, I've done the best I can to go back in time and apply prepayments approximately when you did, uh, when inputting in the calculator here, but as for income, I've just averaged it because there's only one spot available to, to, uh, one shot in time to input, uh, income. So I've averaged it out to 95 over the over the period of 2016 to 2020. Um, so that's the that's the uh, income value I used for this scenario here. In the calculator, uh, you can input employment income, investment income, pension income, rental income from a rental property, and and the ex- related expenses, uh, other self employed income, and uh, as regards uh, assets. I didn't put any assets in here because I think, Ryan, when you mentioned in 2016 uh, an RSP withdrawal uh, and TFSA, I think that went to the down payment of the property. It did. Yeah, I, I drained all my registered accounts in for putting money into the property. And I think that's actually quite a very familiar 
millennial thing to do. So mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that this is actually fairly common. Well, I would expect it would be, uh, you know, the, the home buyers plan with, with housing doing nothing but going up uh, across Canada. Generally, there's not a lot of uh, other options for people uh, in order to get into a home. So, uh, so that comes out to that income that I've been put at a marginal tax rate of 38.29. Uh, um, that's based in BC. Uh, that tax rate applied to that income. So it might be a bit different where you are, but it's going to be close. On mm-hmm. the, um, for the mortgage side of things, you said the value of the house, 315500 And with your down payment, you required a mortgage of $252,400, which is 80% of the, uh, the value of the home, which is you need at least 20% down in order to be able to get a readvanceable mortgage, which is what is required for the Smith maneuver. Now you weren't doing the Smith maneuver, so you didn't require a, a readvanceable, but, uh, yeah, but I got it anyways. You got it anyways. Okay. <laughs> that was all part of my, uh, sneaky plan to convince my wife. You know, uh, <laughs> show wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. I'll just cross the finish line and then try to push it over. Hey, eh? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I got the readvanceable mortgage. I got that giant HELOC on my online, uh, website, you know, just growing incrementally every single payment period. Yeah. And just briefly for, for your listeners, that's exactly what happens is if, if I've got, um, say a $300,000 mortgage, uh, a typical mortgage, you make a payment against that. The balance is going to go down from 300 to $299,000 with the payment. But on a readvanceable, there's a secured line of credit, which is attached to that. And while the limit on that line of credit may start out at zero, as soon as you make a thousand dollar payment against that principal down to two ninety nine, the limit on that line of credit increases by a thousand dollars. So dollar for dollar, you can borrow that back, which means you're going to owe the bank the same amount over the course of time, uh, but you're going to be doing wise things with it, with it, which is borrow to invest uh, in something nice and stable. You don't want to go to Vegas with this money and buy your cousin's internet startup or something like that. (laughs) Um, But the difference is you're going to convert that non-deductible debt, that expensive non-deductible debt to deductible debt over time. And you're going to have a growing investment portfolio, which will, which will offset that nicely. So back to you, Ryan, Uh, your mortgage balance 252,400 was uh, at a rate of 2.29 and you had it amortizing over 30 years. Now, if you, well, uh, you do have a readvanceable. Currently, um, the rates are prime plus a half generally uh, on a readvanceable. So that line of credit works out to uh, 4.45 uh, on the reborrowing side. Now we get into um, actually implementing uh, the Smith maneuver. You'd asked for a 7% forecasted portfolio growth rate. So we've got 7% inputted for that growth rate. What the Mortgage balance, your rate, your amortization has determined, the calculator has determined is that there's about $490 to invest uh, right off the bat on a monthly basis. Were you to borrow the principal reduction uh, each and every month and get that invested? So we're going to go ahead and say we want to invest uh, that full $490 a month that you have access to. And uh, we're going to apply the uh, tax refunds that this borrowing to invest generates uh, to uh, as a prepayment against this mortgage on an annual basis. And on the debt swap for the debt swap accelerator, this is where uh, I had to do a little bit of tinkering, but basically for the years 216, uh, 2016 up to 2020, I've taken the, the total amount that you prepaid your, you had indicated you had prepaid your mortgage in those years. Uh, and you'd done so at various times, maybe, um, 
twice during the year, whatever. I've inputted one value for each year, which is the sum total, and applied it as a prepayment, hypothetically, uh, in the middle of each year. So it's not going to be completely apples to apples, but uh, the numbers effectively work out the same. So I've got July of each year uh, value, which I've summed up as, as your prepayments that you indicated to me. The calculator is going to take these values in these periods of time, various periods of time, and apply them as a prepayment to the mortgage have that money accessible again via the increasing limit on the line of credit and get that money invested for you. We don't have any values for the cash flow dam accelerator. Basically, the cash flow dam is if I've got a rental property, what uh, what most people do is they take the $2,000 they receive from the renter and they turn around and pay the mortgage on that rental property and the expenses, say 2000 bucks a month. So cash flow neutral in this example here. But what they should be doing is take that $2,000 and apply it as a uh, mortgage prepayment on their own home, and then access it again on that line of credit, reborrow that money to service the expenses on the rental property. Because they're borrowing to invest in their business, they can generate the uh, tax deductions on, on that monthly reborrowing. So that reborrowing is not going into securities for growth. It's going to service the, uh, the expenses on your, on your business, which is your rental property. But that greatly accelerates the, uh, the pay down of your non-deductible mortgage on your principal residence. Can I just cut in? I read your book and it's excellent, by the way. And I finally understand the accelerators. <laughs> I found it a bit hard to understand when I, when your dad's uh, book came out. Uh, that was it. It was a little more buried in the math, and and yeah. the way you explained it is is really clear. And the way I see it, the accelerators are finding money that you have access to. And instead of just using it for expenses, you're using it as prepayments to your mortgage, which ends up giving you more income from the um, line of credit to invest with. Is that sort of the gist of the accelerators? That's that's exactly it. The debt swap accelerator, let's say I've got $30,000 invested and uh, now I have my readvanceable mortgage. I want to implement the Smith Mover. Well, I can either leave that $30,000 I have invested to keep growing, or I can redeem those investments for cash. You know, we're, you're going to want to look at the tax implications of that. Are you in a capital gain position or a loss position? But you redeem for cash, you prepay your mortgage by that $30,000, let's say, and then the next day that money becomes available on the line of credit. You pull that $30,000 out and you buy the same security if you want. Right, so within a week, you're still invested thirty thousand dollars, but you've paid down thirty thousand dollars of non-deductible debt and replaced it with thirty thousand dollars of deductible debt, which does great things to your your tax bill. And on the cash flow diversion side of things, if I'm investing three hundred dollars straight from my bank account off my you know when my pay comes in, if I'm investing three hundred bucks a month, well, instead of going directly to the investment company, I make a prepayment against my mortgage of three thousand bucks above and beyond my regular mortgage payment. And that becomes available to invest as well. So I'm still getting that money invested. There's no new cash coming from my pockets. I was already investing 300 bucks a month, but I'm making it work more than once. So yes, you, you can take new money you have available to you. You can take money that you already have somewhere doing something and just divert it against your mortgage and, and really accelerate the pay down of that non-deductible debt. Mm-hmm. And if I can just interject here, just because I want to bring these accelerators back to the focus on my own personal story is that... I'm just a regular guy making a T4 income. So if anybody's listening to saying like, can I actually do this? Cause I don't have rentals or I don't have these like magical accelerators and money just coming at me from all different angles. That's not, it's not exactly what we're talking about. There are certain things that come in 
for income that you could probably either just use because you're going to have a substantially high savings rate anyways being part of the fire movement. So when that RSP refund comes back in, deploy it for the Smith maneuver, right? Maybe the Child Canada uh, benefit comes in and you don't actually need to spend that money on diapers deploy it towards the Smith maneuver. Like there's all these different levers that just come in, you know, or it's whether or not you turn on the Uber app is completely up to you. But I just wanted to say for my own personal situation that while we talk about all these rental properties and other investment incomes and whatnot that you can apply to this calculator for me, it's just a T4. And I think you averaged it Robinson at 95,000 over the four years. So I get that that's probably pretty high for some people. And I'm obviously over the average income of a regular Canadian. But um, yeah, I just that's what my income is. So we're just going to see if it's going to work with the Smith maneuver. And I think just earning a regular T4 and getting 95 grand a year is definitely going to work. Wouldn't you say Robinson? Well, uh, yeah. And, you know, once we're done going through your example, Ryan, we can also drop that, uh, that 95,000 income to 50 and see what the result is. Yeah, that's the lovely thing about this calculator is you, you can plug in any different scenario with income, you can increase forecasted growth rates, decrease, you can increase or decrease uh, uh, mortgage rates, depending on when you think you're going to be getting a mortgage or mortgage rates are going to be doing when you refi to get into the readvanceable mortgage. So lots of different scenarios you can run on this calculator. And yes, you're right, you know, just if there's someone who's just got a T4, you know, maybe uh, some of these accelerators aren't available to them, but even 50 bucks a month, if you can scrape that together to make as a prepayment against your mortgage is, is going to improve your, your situation. So everything helps. And one thing that will be available, uh, even if someone is executing simply the plain Jane Smith maneuver, which is using your regular mortgage payment and nothing else, no extra cash, no debt swap, you're going to see an improvement. But because you're investing each and every uh, month, you're going to start to accrue assets, which otherwise you wouldn't have because this money would have, your mortgage payment wouldn't have been, you wouldn't be reborrowing to invest. You're, you're able to apply the drip, the, the dividend reinvestment plan accelerator, the drip accelerator, which basically is if I'm receiving dividends from my investments, um, I can take those dividends instead of having them, have them reinvest automatically each month. I can take them in cash, use them as a prepayment whenever they come in quarterly, biannually, whatever it is, and then reborrow and then buy that stock back again. So you can apply this drip accelerator. You can choose your annual distribution yield, 3%, 2%, 4%, whatever it is. And then lastly, on the accelerator side, uh, I, I didn't use that for your scenario. Um, but you know what? I'm going to. Boom. <laughs> I hit the toggle, Chrissy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, now, the Prime the Pump Accelerator is—it's uh, the last one here. Basically, if I go to refinance my house because I, I need to get out of a mortgage that doesn't work into a mortgage that does, maybe the value of my house has increased over over the years. I've paid some of my mortgage down over the years, and so they're going to say, "Okay, well, we'll we'll lend you this three hundred thousand dollars, so you can pay out the the mortgage from your other lender." But because of the value of your house, we're also going to give you on that line of credit side available credit immediately of 50,000, let's say. So this prime, the pump accelerator says, well, I, I'm able to take that $50,000 or 40 or 25 or none. There's a slider and you can choose how much, if any, you want to use. And basically you're getting that, uh, that amount invested day one, as soon as you get that mortgage. So you've got the longest period of time for this, this lump sum investment to, uh, to grow over time. And in your case, I, I did not use this, Ryan, because you were at uh, the full 80% in any event. So now we're ready to look at the results. Drum roll, please. Yeah. <laughs> now, how much have you have you paid out your mortgage already, or is there still a small balance on it? Or 
there's still a small balance on it. So it should be done by June of 2020. So I have uh, 13,000, I believe, or 12,000, depending on which. No, I think it's 13,000 right now. It'll be 12,000 after next pay that I still have remaining on it. And that's going to take me until June to get off. Okay. All right. Good. Um, so at that point, you're going to have a clear title house. And what will the value of the house be? So the market value of the house should be around 500,000, maybe higher, but I'm just going to stick with 500,000 because that's a nice, easy number. Okay. So 500,000 uh, will be the value of your house um, and you'll have $500,000, uh, not necessarily $500,000 that available to you to do something with because nowadays lines of credit you secure your line of credit will only go up to 65 percent of the value of your house if you get it through one of the big banks but now you've got all this this equity which feels real good to see that in the house but uh, it's earning zero percent for you right now with a six yeah, it's actually killing me robinson so yeah. Feel good at all. <laughs> yeah okay maybe listen to the show before <laughs> yeah maybe it feels good for your wife to see that equity yeah. yes yes exactly she's the uh, one with the smug smile i'm the one with yeah. the, uh, the gritted teeth yeah well there's you know at 65 percent loan to value there's three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars that you could pull out and do anything with you can go out you can pull that out get a ferrari you can go around the world, <laughs> oh, you gosh. can invest it, right? But it's available. You could throw it in the fireplace if you want. The, the lender doesn't care. Your, your HELOC is, is secured by the house, so they don't care what you do with the money, right? But what I'm saying is that there's $325,000 that is earning you 0%, actually less than 0% due to inflation. And a lot of people are in this position. You know, A lot of older people we see in this position, they concentrated on paying their mortgage off their clear title in an $800,000, $900,000 house, some parts of Canada, and living off a of fixed income, right? But I digress. Uh, your results, you would be clear title by uh, June um, with $0 of investment assets because you've uh, related to uh, you know what we're talking about here, the Smith River, because you haven't been pulling that out uh, and investing. Now, what what I did is I, I took the amounts of the principal reduction from the regular mortgage payment, uh, from your prepayments, and over four years, I got these amounts invested. So one invested uh, for uh, four years, one lump sum for three years, one for two, one for one, right? And the effect of if you had uh, employed the Smith Maneuver, today you'd have a portfolio value of at 7% growth, $472,721. Now, that does not include the tax benefit. So it would it would be uh, a bit higher than that, in effect. But let's just call it $470,000, offset by uh, your initial mortgage balance, uh, which would now be an investment loan of two, what do we say, 252000 Yes, that's right. So if we take 470,000 we subtract what you would have in deductible debt generating tax deductions for you 252 you'd have a net improvement in wealth of $218,000 today. Wow. I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> you go right ahead nobody can see anyway. <laughs> cry quietly. Oh, Chrissy, take the mic. <laughs> is this is this over the 4 years from 2016 is yes. that correct? Yeah. That so, is astounding. Yeah. So we go back, we go back and, and this is, this is imagining that t- today is, is 2016 and he's just starting his, his uh, mortgage pay down now. So in four years is when he would be four years from now, clear title um, with zero invested versus 
the same with a $218,000 improvement in net worth. If he had accessed the equity that he's created via his regular mortgage payments and those prepayments and gotten that money invested uh, based on our assumptions here. So that's how much, how much further ahead he would have been? Today, yes. Oh my. So- so that the calculations I did there is, is as I said, the, the calculator, the Smithman calculator is not really built to compare what would have happened. It's for people saying, okay, here's where I am today. What happens if I start today, right? Where can I end up? Now we know, so again, Ryan, if you started your program today, you, you know that based on your prepayments, if you could, if you knew what they would be in the future, you knew in four and a half years, you'd be clear title to the house with $0 in investment. Mm-hmm. Using the calculator, um, if what the calculator has done when I've inputted your values is it says, okay, based on the amortization that you input, so in 30 years, in your case, what is the result of, of me starting this program based on Ryan's numbers in 30 years? So it doesn't tell me what your result's going to be in 4.5 years. It tells me what the result, results are going to be in 30 years based on the AM that I input. So with your numbers, with these estimated prepayments going forward each year, four years into the future, and then stopping, the results that the Smithman calculator comes up with says, okay, well, over the course of 30 years, you will see total tax deductions of $306,000, which means tax refunds, money back from the government of 117380 And because you're able to take these tax refunds, because we're going to take these annual prepayments four years into the future, and then they're going to stop uh, because they can, I'll tell you why right now. But what happens in that case is your regular mortgage payment, your annual prepayments takes 25.5 years off of your amortization. So it's shortened to four and a half years, which is your actual case, right? So the Smith maneuver and your actual case both have you eliminating all of that $252,000 of non-deductible debt about the same time. When you're not uh, aggressively prepaying your mortgage as you have over the, uh, over the past four years, even if it's less aggressive prepayment, the improvement from the Smith maneuver versus your scenario would increase. But when we compress something, when we compress a mortgage from 30 years down to 4.5 years, it gets harder and harder to compress. So with these massive prepayments that you've made over the past four years, making them with the Smith maneuver scenario, we get about the same amortization period reduction to 4.5 years. The net worth improvement, however, um, again, based on your numbers and investing what you can, when you can, uh, in 30 years, you would have a portfolio value of $2.1 million, which would be offset by that deductible a now deductible investment loan of 252,000 for a net improvement in your family net worth of 1.84 million dollars. Sorry, that's over 30 years? Yes. You're saying? Over 30. Okay. Years. Now, one thing I didn't do is um, you know, I calculated that your current net worth improvement would be $218,000 if you had invested over the past 4 years via the Smith maneuver. What we could do is throw in that 218, uh, your investment, your hypothetical investment portfolio value and apply that. Um, it's, see, it's tough to do apples to apples here because <laughs> your, 
you've prepaid your mortgage for four years and then you stop because, or you're going to stop very shortly because there's no need to prepay it anymore. The question right. is, what are you going to do going forward with all that money that you used to be prepaying? Are you going to now invest it? Essentially, yes. Because, right. yeah, because I, I don't have any money working for me. My home is not an investment, right? It's providing me really cheap rent. But otherwise, I need to put my money into the stock market because I'm gunning for fire. So, right. yeah, I need to take all that exact same amount and start deploying it into the broad-based stock market. Right. And so so essentially what you've done, I mean, you're a young guy. Uh, you've got lots of time left. You haven't shot yourself in the foot here by any stretch of the imagination, but you have lost four and a half years of compound growth mm-hmm. because you haven't been pulling that money back out and investing it. And 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 I want to stress here that that it's important that you know if there's two people in a relationship, they're both on board. You know, if you're not both on board, uh, it's probably not worth doing it. Yes, you're going to lose out financially, but you're going to gain emotionally because the two biggest reasons of relationship breakdown are money problems and, and sex and right. (laughs) It's a fact. And the top one is money problems. So if someone isn't comfortable with an investment program or whatever the case may be, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't push it. You got to do what you can to make the other person understand. And maybe they understand, but they're still not comfortable. Um, but again, you you haven't shot yourself in the foot here because you've got a lot of time to get into the market and do really well for yourself. My point is simply that by losing four and a half years of compound growth, you're going to do okay, but you're not going to do as well as if you had got that money invested via the Smith Maneuver. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when people hear about this on the surface, they like to think like, oh, okay, so you're just, you're borrowing to make dividends kind of thing. Like, is that what you're doing? And it's like, no, you have to think about it like this. If you're buying ETFs that was worth $17 this year and then $18 this year and then $17 the next year and then $20 the next year after that, like you're getting in and all these ones. And because we all make the assumption that the stock market just goes up and up and up. And in this case, we use 7%, which I think is a very fair, a very fair estimation. You're buying it like it's the capital appreciation. That's what you want. The dividends are are serving you as a form of just paying down that mortgage faster because then mm-hmm. it's the accelerators that we just talked about. It's going to go to the principal and then you're going to pull that money back out and it's going to go right back into buying that super low cost ETF, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to keep buying it lower and lower. So while I am about to begin investing in the stock market as of June of this year when my mortgage is done, I have that four and a half years of not doing so. And because I'm earning a high amount of income, I had a very easy tax strategy to leverage at my disposal. And like you said, I, I didn't. And that's because I I prefer my marriage over my wealth. But <laughs> I'm super like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, if people can wrap their head around that, and they can get it, oh, like, I want the capital appreciation. Yeah, yeah. you do. Yeah, because look at all that magic I missed out on. And actually, Chrissy, I kind of want you to weigh in on this question that I have, and then we'll let Robinson answer it as well. But was this just like a perfect storm kind of scenario? Like, because I have a fairly high income, not super high, but it's a high income. I uh, had all the taxes in the world that I was paying that I could have deducted with this strategy. Um, I had a super high savings rate, right? Like, was was just just because of the perfect storm scenario? Or could this have gone like a lot worse? Uh, if it wasn't me, if say if it was somebody else, you mean as far as the Smith maneuver gains? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, like what if we're in a what if we're in a environment where the interest rates much higher and the stock returns are much lower, um, you know, and and that kind of thing, right? I'm not I'm not going to go as far to say like I could have lost my job, but you know, like was was there was there, was there were the conditions just perfect for me to miss out on this amount of money because of who I am? And I think there's a lot of listeners who are very very much like me, where they're high income and high savings rate. Possibly. I mean, every everyone is saying that the FIRE movement exists because of the market conditions we've had. So, it, And mm. the interest rate, the low interest rate environment, all of that, it, it could be the perfect storm that has resulted in this scenario. But as Robinson writes in his book and that I've read, even in a higher interest rate environment, even in a lower um, earning environment, you you still can get ahead with the Smith maneuver. Yeah, I mean we have to we have to remember that, that my father Fraser came up with the strategy, you know, in the early to mid '80s when interest rates were in the double digits, so mm-hmm. mortgage rates, borrowing rates, and and it it worked. He put his private clients into this for twenty years before writing the book, you know, proving out proving out quite successfully the model. So, you know, people say, well, what if interest rates rise? Well, there's, there's, you know, when are they going to rise realistically, right? Probably not for a while, but in any event, if interest rates rise, your, your mortgage rates are rising. And, and if I've got high interest rates, if I'm paying 7% on my debt, do I want to pay 7% on non-deductible debt or do I want to pay 7% on deductible debt? I've got the debt anyways. All right, guys, I think we need to take a quick break and we'll be right back right after this. Hey, guys, I think you've heard of EQ Bank before. Of course, we're all customers. Yeah, happy customers. I love using their EQ Bank Savings Plus account as an all-in-one checking and savings account. A savings account that offers a competitive everyday interest rate with no everyday banking fees plus no minimum account balances? Count me in. Right? You can also send international money transfers for up to eight times cheaper with your EQ Bank Savings Plus account. Is it easy? It's really easy. You can send money overseas in a few easy steps, and sometimes it gets there instantly. Canadians on the path to FI will love the simplicity of EQ Bank. To find out more, head to exploreficanada.ca forward slash EQ Bank. Okay, guys, welcome back. Robinson, you also have a, a similar scenario where you reduce the amount of taxable income that you have. So could you walk us through a bit of those numbers? Yeah. Uh, basically, we did your scenario based on your average of $95,000 $90, of income. That led to a 38.29% marginal tax rate, which the calculator used. And that gave uh, you a net worth improvement uh, 1,844,436. If we drop your annual income to $50,000, then that drops the marginal tax rate to 28.2. And your net worth improvement uh, reduces from 1.84 million to 1.76 million. So that's the, uh, that's the effect of the, the, your tax refunds uh, reducing a little bit. Not bad. 1.84 down to 1.75. So, <laughs> yeah, it certainly it benefits higher earners 
but you know, if I drop the marginal tax rate to 20% for someone who's making $30,000 a year, uh, now your net worth improvement is 1.69 million. Wow. Still a lot. Over, yeah. Over the, mm-hmm. over the amortization. So, so tax rate does affect it. Uh, but even for people who are shooting for a lower tax rate, as long as you've got a non-deductible mortgage, uh, and your assumptions are reasonable, um, you're, you're going to be in the money. So I have a question then Robinson. So in our movement, we're trying to make as little amount of money as possible when it comes to uh, drawdown mode. When we've saved enough money, we've, we've been working our asses off for so much money and now we will kind of want to peel it back. We want to take back our time. Some of us will quit our job. Some of us will just switch or reduce our hours greatly. And that means that we could effectively plummet our taxable income. At this point, would you recommend that we keep the loan or should we be removing the loan? Have you experienced something like this? I guess it's it's almost just like dealing with anybody going into retirement, right? I mean, what do you do with a tax deductible loan if you don't have a high income? Well, I guess a consideration, uh, firstly, you're going to want to talk to your Smith Maneuver certified professional accountant on this. Uh, that's uh, an accreditation program I'm, I'm putting into place across Canada, which maybe we'll talk about later, but you can find out information on the website, smithman.net. But, but effectively, there's, there's, I would say there's two components to this. There's, okay, my marginal tax rate is so low, I'm generating less benefit uh, on this investment loan, which is deductible. Does it make sense to keep this deductible investment loan? Well, if I've got a loan of $252,000, and an investment portfolio of $1.9 million. Uh, sorry, in your case, it was increase $2.1 million. What are my options there? I can take my after-tax cash flow and I can start chipping away at that deductible investment loan and get that down. Or I can say, you know what? I, I want to get rid of it all tomorrow. I'm going to redeem $250,000 of my assets and my $2.1 million worth of assets to pay out that deductible loan what what have you done there you've just removed from a seven percent growth rate 200 a quarter of a million dollars in order to pay down debt which is effectively costing you maybe maybe 3.6 percent right so you're 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 telling yourself in the world that i want to forego growth on a quarter of a million dollars at seven percent so i don't have to pay interest of 3.6% on that money. So again, we touched on emotion, right? Um, uh, the psychology of, of money here, and maybe it helps you sleep at night, uh, not having that $252,000 of debt on the books, even though it's tax deductible, even though it's reducing the tax you pay regardless of how much you earn, how much or little, um, you still want that gone so that you can sleep better, your wife can sleep better, whatever the case may be. And, and if that's the situation, then go ahead and do it. You got $2.1 million. You want to sell a quarter of a million to pay out that loan? Go ahead and do it if it's going to help you sleep at night, if it's going to make you a happier, less grumpy person. Go ahead and do it. You're still way ahead of the game. Would a person of the wealthy mindset who understands the value of deductible debt the value of compound growth, would they do that? Most certainly not. But you're not them and they're not you. Chrissy, I want your two cents here for sure. Well, my argument is 
if you educate yourself, you read Robinson's book, you read about leveraged investing, I think you couldn't sleep at night that you're not using leverage to invest. Like I, That's me. If I know that all this equity is sitting in my house and I'm not using it to my best benefit, that would keep me up at night. I would be the opposite. And it, and I, I feel like education is what would help here. You know, just learning about Smith Maneuver, learning about how the stock market works, that will take away so many of your fears and you will actually understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's, yeah. that's my two cents. And, and so, you know, uh, you, Ryan, if you're, if you're sitting on um, $325,000 of equity that you could pull out to invest tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, or within a week after you get a HELOC, I guess, or whatever the case may be, no one's saying that you have to pull out that full 325 mm-hmm. and get it invested. Maybe you start off with 20 grand. Maybe you start off with 50 grand. You dip your mm-hmm. toe. Um, and, and see what happens. I, I was just uh, interviewed, I think it was last week, for uh, by uh, Ben Felix and Cameron Passmore for their podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so that'll be coming out uh, March sometime. But, you know, Ben talks about uh, these studies out there. They're just saying, if you're young and not borrowing to invest, you are missing out huge. Mm-hmm. So it's a big psychological barrier for so many people that – that they choose to not even look at it. I, I, this isn't something I'm interested in. I don't want to be interested. I don't want to spend the time learning about it. Uh, and again, if that's who you are, that's who you are. But if you're truly of the mindset that I want to be able to create wealth for myself so that I can achieve my goals and do what I want, when I want, whatever that is, then borrowing to invest can be a part of that. And when you're young, you've got so much time to weather any storms, to make changes, to, to do whatever you want, whatever is best for you. But mm-hmm. it's something that if you're really interested in, in being as secure as possible to the extent that you want to be financially secure, it is something that you have to look into and consider. Either accept it or reject it, but do so with knowledge. I think these are wise words. And if anybody has been doubting what you've said for the last two minutes, they can go ahead and rewind 20 minutes and hear that staggering number that I've missed out on. (laughs) If they need to, again, I have a feeling, though, that this is going to be an episode that people are going to play two or three times, right, just to wrap their head around it, because it is such a phenomenal strategy. And I wish I had convinced my wife. I really do. Uh, <laughs> but well, you know what? I, I don't I don't want to come at her with all these behavioral biases that she has that Robinson is uh, brilliantly pointing out. Maybe she'll listen. She hasn't listened to a podcast episode yet because she's a hater. But I feel like maybe <laughs> she'll listen to this one, right? Because it is my real numbers. Like none of this has been made up. It's just a, yeah. it's just the theoretical uh parallel universe that could have happened right but otherwise these are all my legit 100 numbers that robinson well, asked for can i make a suggestion i think she should read robinson's book master your mortgage it it outlines it so clearly you can see how your emotions affect this so greatly and, and so negatively you know it it explains the benefits and how all these, all of us have been blindly following the, the cultural stereotype to pay down your mortgage, get rid of all debt. And when you see the fallacy in that and how it really sets us back, you can't unsee that <laughs> once you learn yeah. that. It, you can't go back. 
So I would. You know what I'm going to do? It's on Amazon, right? I'm just going to add it to like the shopping cart or whatever. Just leave it in there. And if she removes it, I'll just add it back, you know, and I'll just keep it. Like, this is for you, by the way. And the next time you hit order, it's coming. Uh, That's clever. Well, now you better hope she doesn't listen to this episode. She'll figure who out. <laughs> Reveal all your secrets. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. Okay, well, um, I think now is probably a good time to. Oh, you know what? Before we switch, I just want to say one last thing. Um, you've been doing all this via the Smithman.net calculator that people can subscribe to on your site, correct? Yes, uh, Smithman.net. Uh, you can order the book. There's a homeowner's course. There's also the calculator or combos you can that you can so there's just an incredible amount of information that you can easily buy from your site and um i feel as though i i just have to say for everybody because i think a lot of us sometimes we're more a little too frugal a little too cheapskatey about things but the amount of money that is at stake here if you slip or do something wrong you're not going to have those type of uh, risks if you read and understand the information that Robinson is presenting to you and the available resources that he recommends on his site. So I actually think it's something that our listeners should greatly understand and probably appreciate the value of what they're buying mm-hmm. uh, via this, this calculator. Well said, Ryan. Right on. Okay. I think it's time for some listener questions. Chrissy, why don't you lead us off? Because uh, we did, you, I believe it was you, Chrissy, that posted to our Facebook page asking for some, uh, some questions from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is a hot topic. It seems like people are hungry for this info. So uh, we asked our listeners and we got a few questions and I had to stop asking for questions because I was afraid we'd get a flood. <laughs> so we have a few here that uh, we received and I'll start with one from Abid. He says, I'm moving into a place where I'll be renting out my basement come March and wanted to have all my ducks in a row. So his first question is, is there a way to cleanly figure out what amount of the tax return is related to the Smith Maneuver and what amount is related to other items such as RSPs, etc.? Considering his first statement, uh, moving into a place uh, and renting out the basement, uh, I kind of took that to to be how do you figure out how much uh, I can deduct from my mortgage um, considering part of my house is being rented. Uh, So for the first part here, basically if you're renting out 20% of your floor space, uh, you can deduct 20% of your, your mortgage expense. Uh, So that's, that's a relatively easy way to figure that out. But as regards, you know, at, at tax time, if I'm trying to figure out, I've got uh, this is how the second way I interpreted this question is, if I've made contributions to my RSP, I've got deductions here, there, and everywhere, plus I've got uh, deductions due to the Smith Maneuver, how do I figure out what came explicitly from the Smith Maneuver? And it's it's very simple. Uh, you've got a mortgage statement uh, from your mortgage lender, and it'll tell you how much you paid in interest for the, uh, for the year on the annual statement, and then you just apply your marginal tax rate to that. It's very simple. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. His second question is, in relation to the cash dam accelerator, you mentioned that you need to have a sole proprietorship or partnership to use the expenses towards the non-deductible mortgage. Why can't we do this with a corporation or just as an individual? Uh, firstly, <clears throat> when he says, why can't we do this just as an individual, you effectively are. If it's a proprietorship, mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what it is. Um, 
the income that your your business, quote unquote, your unincorporated business is generating is is income that you generate uh, classified and considered treated the same way as income you get from your employment. So you are as a proprietorship uh, effectively doing this as an individual for the cash flow dam. Um, now, as regards to why you don't want to do it with a with a, a business that you own, which is incorporated, um, it boils down to the fact that, uh, as I mentioned, a sole proprietorship, uh, your business is considered as you, whereas an incorporated business is as real a person uh, as you are in the eyes of of the CRA. So it's a completely separate legal entity. So when we're taking money from the incorporated business, when we're lending money to the incorporated business, the business has to be careful that it doesn't run afoul of of the CRA. You know, we we run into accounting issues. So the complexity comes on the monthly reborrowing that you would do to service corporate expenses, where you're, uh, whereas otherwise you would be investing in securities. Instead, you're servicing the expenses of the corporation. When you do this repeatedly, the CRA might not like look kindly on the uh, on the corporation. It's not necessarily uh, now. Bear in mind, I'm not an accountant, but it's not necessarily that you as the homeowner is at at risk. It's it's on the corporate side. So. You really want to get advice uh, from a professional, from a tax uh, tax accountant, uh, when you when you have an incorporated business and you're considering using um, aspects of the cash flow dam with that business. So, a bit of a confusing response, but effectively it boils down to the fact that a proprietorship, if it's unincorporated, the revenue and expenses are considered yours as an individual. When it's incorporated, it's a completely different uh, set of books. Excellent. And I, I agree. It can The Smith maneuver can get very messy very quickly if you don't know what you're doing. And that's why I, I value the advice of an expert, especially someone who's qualified and knows about the Smith maneuver. Yeah. It, it can get very confusing as an individual to do it on your own. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm putting together the Smith Maneuver Certified Professional Accreditation Program. I'm going to be accepting financial professionals of various types across Canada. They're going to be trained in the Smith Maneuver. They're going to be certified, pass an exam. And then I can send people who are inquiring of, you know, I'm in Burlington. I'm looking for a mortgage broker. I can send them to a certified mortgage broker or accountant or investment advisor in their area. So that'll be coming uh, uh, next month. That's fantastic. All right, Ryan, do you want to cover the next questions? Yeah, by the way, and when Robinson says next month, uh, we're recording this in February, so this will probably be released next month. So <laughs> take a look right now. Go to yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I really like uh, I really like your answers because it speaks to the next question, which is from Mark Seed at My Own Advisor. Uh, that's his Twitter handle. He's basically asking, why not focus on killing the debt versus taking on more risk let alone more monitoring of the work. So I guess in what he's saying is like, once you have paid off your mortgage and you have this giant investment loan, why not throw all the additional money at killing that loan? Like, why would you refinance and just start taking out more? I think we've already answered this question a little bit, but I'll just have you quickly speak to it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind. Robert. Sure. I, I read the question is, uh, you know, let's, Let's do what you did, Ryan. Let's focus on retiring that mortgage rather than implementing the Smith maneuver, which has some monitoring work to do. Uh, you know, a couple of transactions on a monthly basis. And I guess it. So, I guess what it boils down to is how committed are you to giving you yourself and your family the best shot at improving your wealth 
and how much potential wealth are you willing to forgo? You know, if let's first look at killing the debt. So in other words, taking every cent you can to eliminate the mortgage as fast as you can. If I'm, if I'm 40 years old when I get a mortgage and I aim to retire when I'm 65, you know, 25 years from now, it is my goal to achieve clear title as soon as possible. So let's say I make an extra thousand dollar payment against my mortgage each and every month. If we're looking at a $500,000 mortgage at 3.5% amortized over 25 years, because I prepaid this mortgage by $1,000 each month, over and above my regular mortgage payment, uh, instead of 25 years mortgage payments, I'm clear title in 16 years. Okay, that's pretty good. But this is not the Smith Maneuver scenario. This is just me prepaying the mortgage. But after 16 years, what do I have? I got no more mortgage payments and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity in my home, which may make me feel good. It may not. <laughs> but And so now let's further assume that for the next nine years, so that's 16, I'm clear title. For another nine years, it would be 25 years. I'm 65 and starting to retire. Let's say I take my former mortgage payment plus that extra thousand that I was applying as a prepayment, and I invest that at 7% growth. So I'm investing 3366 bucks each month from age 56 to 65. Okay, until the point I'd be clear title if I hadn't prepaid my mortgage at all. By the time I retire on my 65th birthday, I'm clear title and I have an investment portfolio with $504,425.09. So my question to you is, will $504,000 be enough personal savings to see me through another 20 to 25 years? Right? Does that generate enough income for me as I get older and potentially less healthy, require part-time care or full-time living care, assisted living, whatever it is? Right, because we often forget that when the older we get, typically the less healthy we get, the more help we need. Right. Mm-hmm. So at this mm-hmm. point, what do I have if this is not enough for me? I can continue to live in my house on a, a very small fixed income, or I can sell the house and move into my kid's basement. I can work in my retirement. In fact, next time you're at Walmart or Costco or McDonald's, have a look around, and you're going to see a lot of senior citizens working there. Right. They're mm-hmm. there because they have to be there. Because they concentrated on paying down their mortgage, not investing for their future. Uh, or another option is I can sign up for a reverse mortgage, right? Start selling the house back to the bank. And it, so none of those are particularly appealing to me. But what if I, at age 40, when I got the house, what if I implemented the Smith Maneuver right off the bat? And it made that home equity work for me as soon as I generated each month. Right? taking advantage of compound growth and tax deductions for the next 25 years, uh, all while not having to come out of pocket anymore each month than in the previous scenario. Right, I'm making that $1,000 prepayment against the mortgage on, on top of the regular mortgage payment, but no change there. So with the Smith Maneuver, instead of 16 years in the previous scenario, I'm eliminated my uh, non-deductible mortgage debt in 14 years. Plus, at the end of 25 years, instead of having a portfolio value of 504000 it improves by $792,000 to just under $1.3 million. So $504,000 at age 65 versus $1.3 million. And don't forget, this is net, right? So the actual portfolio value is $1.8 million, but I subtract the $500,000 deductible investment loan I have, and I get $1.3 million and a clear title house. So that's why... You know, the taking on the monitoring, taking on some complexity, uh, you know, that's, that's why for me it is, it is worth it. And in fact, if, if I wanted to, if I was doing the Smith Maneuver, I could even keep $900 of that $1,000 monthly prepayment in my pockets and only prepay by $100 and I still come out ahead versus if I don't do the Smith Maneuver ahead uh, at all. Mm-hmm. So 
Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at this uh, this increase in net worth, this additional eight hundred thousand dollars that the Smith Maneuver generated for me, if if I take uh, twenty hours working on my Smith Maneuver on a monthly basis over this twenty five years, that works out to forty thousand dollars an hour that I'm getting paid in order to monitor my Smith Maneuver. So, yeah, I'm I'm willing to put that time in. Yeah, and I would also go back again to hiring a professional, a Smith Maneuver qualified professional, yeah. because if this is too much for you, and I find as as much as I understand it and I get the concepts, I I am afraid I'm going to make a mistake, and I have peace of mind by hiring an expert and working with someone who knows what to do, and that takes away all the complication, all of the hassles. Like he does everything for me, so. I would argue if this is something you want to pursue and that's what's holding you back, then consider hiring a professional because even if you have to pay them fees, you're still ahead because you would not have done the Smith Maneuver without them. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Ed Rempel is not going to charge you $2 million over 30 years. Right? He's much more reasonable than that. It speaks actually so much to this movement because a lot of people are decluttering their life and finances is a huge, huge part of it that people just want the simple path to wealth. Like they really do. That's why that book by JL Collins resonates so much with Canadians. And it's not even anything to do with Canadian tax systems, right? But we've all read it knowing that we love it and that we just want the simplicity. And if you do want the simplicity, yeah, just find a financial planner, preferably one that's certified. Although I think Ed Rumpel's probably like the grandmaster sensei of the Smith Maneuver at this point. <laughs> He's right? been doing so, it for many, many years, indeed. Right? Yeah, I, I remember reading his comments on Million Dollar Journey. <laughs> like, I yeah. think I read on like 2012 or 2013 or something, yeah. like back when I first learned about all this. And I was just like, whoa, my head was exploding then, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's just, you, you can make this simple. Yeah, you're going to have to pay for it. But it's do do you want the wealth or not? Do you want? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit more complex because now you have to go with an advisor. And yes, you're going to have to pay them and whatnot. But at the same time, you're going to be building your wealth. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be making it simpler on the way back. Because now that person that financial planner that certified financial planner is going to be taking care of it for you. And that's a wonderful place to be Chrissy. You're going to stick with Ed for the rest of your life. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Many years ago, I, I someone got in touch with me there out in Alberta. And so I went and met with them and, and sat for, for two hours or more and went through the whole process. And they ended up not coming on board as a client. Uh, but they did get a mortgage through the mortgage broker that I used so that they could implement the Smith Maneuver. And uh, he was I got the impression he was a do-it-yourself type of guy. So he wanted to learn how to do it. And so I spent the time and educated. He didn't come on as a client, but about two years later, he came back. He had, he had blown himself up. He tried the, the investing component on his own. He didn't have professional guidance. He took risky moves and, and it didn't work out for him. And he says, you know, I, I should have just, I just should have just signed you up, man. Yeah. So, so again, that's why I'm certifying these financial professionals across Canada, because they're going to know what they're doing. They're going to be able to, to talk investors off the ledge. They're going to be able to reason, you know, they're, they're, they're psychiatrists as much as they are advisors, (laughs) you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I think also the huge benefit is also the taxation of all this. That is what scared me the most that I would mess something up and CRA would come after me and I would have no defense because I made a mistake and I'd be on the hook for who knows what kind of penalties. So that 
for me is a huge value in hiring a professional. Uh, well, exactly. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there who, who try to do everything on their own so that they save money in doing so. And that's well, me. Right? <laughs> I'm that person, but, but with this, if, it's not worth it. <laughs> but if you, if you are, are, are paying a financial professional an accountant 400, 500 dollars to, to do your taxes while being assured that they're going to be done correctly and so that there's no threat and you are going to be able to enjoy 500, 700, 800 thousand dollars improvement in net worth, it is worth it. It is absolutely worth it to spend that 500 dollars to have this person enable you to make uh, an additional 600 thousand dollar improvement in net worth. Yeah, and also something we should mention is their fees are typically deductible as well, correct? Yes. Yes. Right, because it's a taxable account. Mm-hmm. So when it's not, and when it's a tax sheltered account, there's no way you can ever waive the MERs of your ETFs or the financial planners' fees, right? But in a taxable account, those are typically write offs, and they can probably show you how to to write those off. Now, there's there's a difference in like for an account, you can write off the accounting fees. For the your investment advisor, if they are working on a commission basis, then you cannot deduct uh, the fees that that go to the advisor. But if they're fee for service, you can. So that's something to be aware of as well. That is a very important line to have on this podcast. <laughs> so that, that actually further reduces the expense of hiring someone. Yes. To the point where it, it basically is more than a wash because of the value they bring to you. Yes. You know, we're dealing with, we're dealing with the CRA here. And we, we don't want to take any chances. We don't want to guess. We don't want to submit our return and say, I'm, I'm 92% sure that I got that all right. <laughs> You know? No, thank you. No, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> All right. So our next question is from listener who, by the name of Jeffrey. And he says, we used our line of credit to put a down payment on a rental condo. The rent pays for the mortgage insurance, taxes, condo fees, and the interest for the line of credit. So he wants to know, is it possible to pay down the principal on the line of credit without having to pay out of pocket? And he asked this because he says, if I don't pay down the principal using my own cash flow, then I can never use the HELOC again unless I sell the condo. Okay. Uh, sounds like he's got a HELOC and not a readvanceable mortgage. Hmm. Um, if I get a HELOC, uh, if the bank says, okay, based on the value of your house, your income, your credit score, your current mortgage balance, we'll give you a HELOC for 50000 bucks. Great. I pull that $50,000 out. I put it as a down payment on a rental property. But if I'm making interest-only payments, I can never borrow from that again. Right? There's a, there's a hard limit on that. And even if I make regular mortgage payments and prepayments against my mortgage, the limit on that HELOC does not increase. It's a completely separate lending facility. It's not integrated like a readvanceable mortgage. So if he had a readvanceable mortgage and he pulled out $50,000 or so for a down payment on the rental condo, if he implemented the Smith maneuver, then the balance, uh, the limit on that line of credit would increase on a monthly basis based on how much he's paying down on his non-deductible mortgage side. And he could borrow that out and get it invested. So now we start with a, a balance of 40,000. Then we go to uh, f- 41,000, 42,000, 43,000. Mm-hmm. But if he's looking at, if he's looking, so he can continue to use that. It's all dependent on uh, on what type of loans you have secured by the house. Is it readvanceable or is it a traditional typical mortgage plus a HELOC with a, a hard stop on its limit from some other lender or maybe even the same lender? So now he can, by implementing the Smith maneuver, he can generate these tax deductions, which lead to a tax refund, 
with which he can start reducing that initial 40000 that he that he borrowed. And that's not new money out of his pocket. It's simply money uh, coming back from the government. It's not like he has to take that from his salary or anything. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. Excellent answer. Thank you. This doesn't sound like a Smith maneuver problem. This sounds like a cash flow. A cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> you need to charge more for rent, buddy. Yeah, I would, I would say that's <laughs> correct. It's not necessarily a Smith maneuver question. And in any in any event, I mean, unless this guy has has overborrowed, uh, meaning he couldn't afford to pull that forty or fifty thousand from his line of credit in the first place, why would he want to pay that down? Right. Mm-hmm. Leave it invested. Yeah. If it's if it's four point five percent, he's paying on it. If he's at thirty percent marginal tax rate, it only costs him two point seven percent. So, but really, you know, this right. is this is to sit down. This is someone who needs to sit down with a, a, a professional and say, okay, here's my situation, and really disclose what they're going through right now. Right on. All right. Hope that helps, Jeffrey. Uh, our next question is from Mister Prairie Fire. Uh, Fred, as we like to call him. Um, what episode was he on, Chrissy? Was it twelve? I think it was. I don't remember, or but we will put it. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I know, isn't that sad though? Right, we have we're getting to that point where we have so many episodes. It's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you. Anyways, uh, so he he has the following question. I've been interested in the topic of the cash damming strategy. For some reason, I can't wrap my head around it, and how the cash flow works the steps to make it work and the benefits. I have a rental property. I think he has two and wanted to see what advantage, if any, there is in using this strategy. Okay. So, so I touched on the cash flow dam uh, earlier on the show. Let's, let's say I've got uh, a house that I live in. I've got a mortgage. It's non-deductible. I've got a readvanceable mortgage. I'm implementing the Smith maneuver for every mortgage payment. I make some of that reduces the principal on my mortgage. I can borrow that out. Let's call it a thousand a month and I can invest it. So each month I'm pulling out what, what I pay down and I'm getting it invested. If I also own a, a rental property, which again is unincorporated, so it's owned under my name. If my renters in there are paying me $2,000 a month, what I probably have been doing is taking that $2,000 and directly turning around and making the mortgage payment on that rental property. Plus, uh, servicing utilities, paying utilities and other maintenance, whatever expenses I have for my business, which is that rental property. So instead of taking 2000 in rental receipts and paying the rental expenses uh, in the same motion, I take that 2000 in rental revenues, I prepay my mortgage in the house that I live in. So on top of the $1,000 that is reduced by my regular mortgage payment, I'm reducing another $2,000 of non-deductible debt. Therefore, instead of $1,000 to reborrow, I have $3,000 to reborrow. $2,000 goes into my rental property bank account from where I then make the mortgage payment on that rental property and, and service the expenses on that business. The other $1,000 I can invest in securities. So this in this scenario, we're cash flow neutral on the rental property, two grand in, two grand out. It doesn't directly increase my uh, investment portfolio because the 2000 of that is going into the business to service the mortgage, etc. It does indirectly increase my investment portfolio because this 
in, this increased pace of reborrowing leads to higher deductions, which leads to higher tax refunds, which leads to more that I'm able to prepay against my mortgage each and every uh, year, which means there's more that I can invest that once a year in a lump sum in securities because I'm taking my refund, reborrowing what I paid down on the mortgage to get it invested. So it does in, in, indirectly increase your investment portfolio. But if we're in a cash flow positive position, which I hope everyone is, then if I'm getting $2,000 a month in rental revenues and I only have $1,500 that I need to service the rental expenses, then I prepay my own mortgage by $2,000. I reborrow that $2,000. $1,500 goes to service my rental expenses and $500 is available to invest in securities on top of that $1,000 from my regular mortgage payment. So $1,500 a month into securities, $1,500 goes into servicing my rental property. Because I am borrowing to invest with a reasonable expectation of generating income, which is my rental revenue, I can deduct the interest uh, on that borrowing. So it is extremely efficient in eliminating that uh, non-deductible mortgage debt very quickly. And if you're cash flow uh, positive, especially, uh, you're able to incrementally uh, get invested for growth for the future. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's really so simple. You, you just have to get your head wrapped around it, go through it a few times, and, and you'll get it. Basically, you're taking any income that you have, and instead of directly investing it, filter it through the mortgage first so that it can become tax deductible, yeah. you know, so that you're getting more of that uh, tax deductible borrowed money that you can use. Like you said, it, it, there's so many benefits from just slightly restructuring how you pay things. That's it, exactly it. it. So much sense. You're, you're, you know, with this program, you're simply restructuring your finances. You're taking advantage uh, in most cases of what you already have. You already have increasing equity in your home. And you're just putting it to work. You already have investments somewhere. Mm -hmm. You can sell and, and debt swap it. You already have rental revenues. You already have self-employed income, which you can also use for cash flow dam if you've got a home-based business. So in most cases, there's things that you can do with what you already have to greatly improve your wealth over time. Yeah, that's wonderful. So we have one last question from money mechanic. He, he wanted us to make sure we ask this because this is a common question that comes up a lot. Basically, what investments should we use? For example, is using an asset allocation ETF okay? So a lot of people think you have to invest in something that earns dividends or, or, right. or earns greater income than the interest that you're paying. Right. Um, I, I will never make specific uh, investment recommendations like invest in this stock or that ETF. Um, I am no longer an investment advisor. I'm not uh, licensed in that capacity. So I always say, go speak to a Smith Maneuver certified professional investment advisor. Do it right the first time. But what I will say to this is it goes back to um, the Tax Act and the fact that Revenue Canada says, if we borrow to invest with the reasonable expectation of generating income, we can deduct the interest on that borrowing. So I can invest in something that historically hasn't paid income, like dividends or interest income or something, but has the possibility that it can. Because even an equity uh, uh, mutual fund, which doesn't pay dividends, has an allowance built into it that if we have a really good year, yeah, we might send out an extraordinary dividend. So there is an expectation that it can produce income. So I don't have to buy investments that actually do 
earn dividends. I don't have to invest in something that sends me interest income. I don't have to invest in in something that that actually does generate income. It only has to have a reasonable expectation, a possibility that it could. Now, that being said, if I'm a gold bug, I borrow each month and I buy gold bullion, well, CRA is going to say, I don't think so. Because if I got a chunk of gold on my desk, I'm hoping 100% for capital appreciation. How is that going to generate income for me, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll need to chisel, <laughs> <laughs> or you can rent out your friends to show off at parties. I don't know, but but there's no reasonable expectation for earning income, and and the same goes for raw land. You know, that's a bit more flexible there. But if I buy raw land, I hope to flip it one day to a developer. I'm not expecting income from that in the meantime. So that's why you need to talk to a professional. Um, and, and ask them, does this ETF, does this stock, does this mutual fund, does this REIT, does, does this qualify? Will I be able to deduct the income? And they're going to say yes or no. But there's a surprising range of things you can invest in and still deduct the income, the, sorry, the interest. Perfect. Yeah, that's what everyone needs to hear. And remember that there is mm-hmm. there are so many things that you can invest in. And, and it, it does help to have a professional so that you know for sure that you're not making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a, a great segue then to cap off the show because while we are members of the fire movement and the vast majority of us DIY our investment portfolios and it's never ever been easier than 2020 to do so, mm-hmm. the Smith maneuver does remain a strategy, a very lucrative, but it's it's simple on the surface but complex under the hood. And there's no shame in having to buy the financial planners such as Chrissy did with Ed Rempel, right? There's no shame in having to do that. And just as Robinson said just a few moments ago, do it right the first time. Don't be the guy that shows up two two years later and says, yeah, whoops. Yeah. You know, I burned 30 grand because I thought I knew what I was doing, but I cracked under the pressure and my wife was yelling at me and blah, 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 right? I mean, there's a whole story that can go to any of these situations. So yeah, I, 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 I want to thank you so much, Robinson, for coming on the podcast and for uh, describing uh, the case study and seeing my numbers, right? You know, I'm still sobbing on the inside. I'm sure you guys can hear this. <laughs> you know, I've, I think I was more chipper at the beginning, but <laughs> but uh, I had I knew this was coming. I, I knew I didn't know the exact number, but I knew this was coming. I knew it was going to be a, uh, a fantastic strategy for for the past, for the present, and probably for the foreseeable future, unless something changes with the CRA, um, I'd highly recommend that if you can stomach the risk, do so. Chrissy? Well, Robinson, if someone would like to pursue the Smith Maneuver and is interested in finding a professional, what are the best steps that they can take to do that? Uh, well, firstly, read the book. Whether whether they buy it from smithman.net, whether they go to the library to check it out, whether they borrow it from a friend, uh, read the book, start to get educated. Um, and if you're interested in running your own scenarios, go ahead and uh, get the, the uh, Smithman calculator. Or if you get in touch with us at info at smithman.net, we can put you in touch with a professional who's been doing putting clients into the strategy for years, whether they be a mortgage broker, investment advisor, accountant, etc. cetera. Uh, and so that's, that's very important. Uh, get in touch with us if you're looking for a professional. Don't just ask on the street. And there's also the Smith Maneuver Homeowner course that I'm putting together. It's not complete yet, uh, but it goes into more depth than than the book does. Uh, so a number of different resources, but really just educate yourself, get comfortable with it, 
um, understand the difference uh, between deductible and non-deductible debt. The wealthy do. They know it very clearly, and that's why they're wealthy. So, so education is key. And uh, yeah, read the book, however you get your hands on it. Perfect. That was excellent. Great info. Thank you so much, Robinson. We're so happy that you could come on and speak to us today. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.